Hello, ladies, and welcome to the Amazing Bible Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thank you so very much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we are looking at the Pauline Prison Epistle of Colossians. This letter was written to the city of Colossae, which was in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. It was not a city around the Aegean Sea, but it was inland, about 100 miles east of Ephesus, 10 miles from Laodicea, and 13 miles from Heropolis. These last two are mentioned in the letter in chapter 4, verse 13. This city is not mentioned in the book of Acts, and there is no reference of Paul ever going there. Plus, Colossians chapter 2, verse 1 reads, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf, and for those who are at Laodicea, and for all those who have not personally seen my face. The only place in the Bible that it is mentioned is here and then in the letter to Philemon. It is possibly the home of Onesimus, Colossians chapter 4 verse 9, and Philemon, Philemon chapter 1 verse 12. Yet, as we have learned, Luke in the writings of Acts did not include everywhere and everything that Paul did, so he may have been there. He seems to mention quite a few people at the end of the letter, plus in his letter to Philemon, Paul wrote, not to mention to you that you owe to me even your own self as well. This is found in verse 19 of Philemon, as if Paul led him to Christ and therefore possibly the church as well. This was one of four prison epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote when he was probably in prison in Rome around AD 60 to 63, Acts chapter 28, verses 30 through 31. In chapter 4, verse 18, Paul tells the church to remember his imprisonment. This letter was sent at the same time as Ephesus and Philemon. We see this in Ephesus chapter 6, verse 12, and then verses 21 and 22, Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, and then verses 7 and 9, and then Philemon chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. And we learn that Tychicus delivered the letters. The other prison epistle that we know of was Philippians. Now, why did he send this letter? We will find when we read Philemon that Paul was sending Onesimus, a runaway slave, back to Philemon, the slave owner. So he not only wrote a letter to Philemon, but to the church that met in his city. We also learn that this letter was to be sent to the church at Laodicea, and their letter was to be sent to them. Some think that could possibly mean the Ephesians letter, but it could also mean that the letter to Laodicea was lost. This letter has much in common with Ephesians. Some say one-fourth is the same, others I've heard one-third, and then up to three-fifths. It is set up like most of Paul's letters, where the first two chapters cover doctrine and the last two cover how we are to live because of that doctrine. 
The theme of this letter is the absolute supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus Christ, and the key verses are chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. So now let's look at the content of the letter. Paul starts by explaining who he is just a little bit. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. An apostle is one that is sent and Timothy joined Paul's ministry during Paul's second missionary journey found in Acts 16 verses 1 through 5. Paul then jumps into a thanksgiving for them because he had heard of their faith. This is another reason why some think Paul never went there. Verses 7 and 8 say, You learned this, the gospel, from Epaphras, our much-loved fellow slave. He is a faithful minister of the Messiah on your behalf, and he has told us about your love in the Spirit. From this, it seems that Epaphras started the church and that he now has also become enslaved in Rome. He is also mentioned in Philemon, verse 23. Paul's letter had his typical greeting with a thanksgiving, and now he goes into prayer. But then as the writing continues, it seems as if the prayer leads right into his theology and exposition of Christ. In other words, he explains who Christ is. Since Paul is thankful for the work that is happening in them, he sends up prayers for them and asks that they may be filled with the knowledge of God's will so that they may walk worthy of the Lord. He prayed that they may be strengthened with God's power for their endurance and patience with joy and that they would also give thanks to the Father who has enabled them rescued them from the dominion of darkness, and transferred them into the kingdom of the Son he loves, through whom they have redemption. Then, starting in verse 15 of chapter 1, Paul explained Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. Jesus said, When you have seen me, you have seen the Father. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 8 and 9, He is the firstborn over all creation, and by him everything, and he means everything, was created through him, for him, and is held together by him. He is also the head of the body, the church, verse 18. The church was once alienated from God and hostile to him in their minds, but now they are reconciled because of Jesus and his death on the cross, so that the church can be presented holy, faultless, and blameless before him. Paul is a minister of this mystery, which was hidden for ages and generations, but now it is revealed to the saints, verses 25 and 26. Then verse 27 God wanted to make known to those among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Chapter 2 begins with Paul sharing his struggle in wanting the churches to be encouraged and to join together in love so that they can have a knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Verse 3, 
In him, all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. Paul said this so that they would not be swayed by false teachers. Verses 6 and 7. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Paul stressed that when they know who Christ is, then they would not be deceived through philosophy or tradition. Christ is God's full nature. He indwells believers and he is head over every ruler and authority. When Christ is in a believer, he circumcised their hearts. They were buried with him in baptism and raised with him in faith. They are forgiven and the certificate of debt with all of the obligations that go with it have been taken away and nailed to the cross. Verse 16 starts, Therefore, because we are set free in Christ, we are not to let anyone judge us about our food or drink or holidays or Sabbaths. These are just shadows of what is to come in Christ. Chapter 3 starts, So if you have been raised with the Messiah, seek what is above, where the Messiah is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on what is above, not on what is on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with the Messiah in God. When the Messiah who is your life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Robert Vaughn said, This suggests not only that the believer's life is secure, but also that it belongs in a very real and profound sense to the invisible spiritual realm. At the present time, his connection with God in Christ is a matter of inner experience. One day it will come into full land open manifestation. Verse 5 starts, Therefore, because of our heavenly home, we are to put to death whatever is worldly. And he lists some things. And then in verses 10b and 11, he says, Since you have put off the old man with his practices and have put on the new man who is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of his creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Starting with verse 12, Paul then talks about how we are to be because we have Christ in us and we are his chosen ones. We are holy and loved. We are to put on then compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We are to accept one another and forgive one another because we have been forgiven. Verse 14, above all, put on love, the perfect bond of unity. We are also to be thankful. As a body of believers in Jesus Christ, the message needs to dwell in us with teaching, admonishing, and singing. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Verse 17. Paul then deals with relationships with husbands and wives, children and parents, slaves and human masters. Verses 23 and 24. Whatever you do, do it from the soul as something done for the Lord and not for men, 
knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. Then verse 25 reminds us that the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done. And there is no favoritism. In chapter 4, verse 2, Paul said, Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. And then he asked them to pray for Paul and his team. Verses 5 and 6 read, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Your speech should always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Starting with verse 7 of chapter 4, Paul mentions various people, some of which we mentioned in the introduction. Tychicus, Onesimus, Aristarchus, John Mark, who is Barnabas's cousin, and Justice. These were of the circumcision and Paul's co-workers of the kingdom of God. Plus, they brought Paul comfort. In other words, these were fellow Jews who became Christians. Then Paul mentions Epaphras probably the founder of the church, Luke, the beloved physician, who also wrote Luke and Acts, and then Demas. These were Gentile believers and co-workers with Paul. Then Paul sent greetings to the brothers in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. In verse 17, Paul sent word to Archippus to be faithful in his ministry. He may be the new pastor of the church since Epaphras, the one who started the church, is now with Paul in prison. Paul ends the letter with a greeting from his own handwriting, and this may have been done to protect against fraud. Vaughn said, The letter ends as it began, with the simple but profound prayer, Grace be with you. And chapter 1 verse 2 said, Grace to you and peace from God our Father. Ladies, as a reminder, this is just an overview, and I want to encourage you to take the time to read this letter. It was not just for Colossians and Laodiceans. It was preserved by the one who holds all things together so that we too can read these amazing words about who Christ is and what he has done, especially when he died on the cross for our sins. Then those who believe in faith the Spirit indwells us and we choose to put on godly traits and it can be done because our hearts are not the same anymore. So ladies, if you have heard his voice today, please don't harden your heart. Instead, let's be women who pray, give thanks, and obey. Until next time, and thanks so much for listening.